You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, just a couple quick things for you. Um, you heard on the video about next Sunday, which is our fall kickoff. So we have all kinds of great things happening like baptism, starting point, join the team, back to school bash for our, our students in the evening, and all those things outside of the back to school bash you need to sign up for. So if you're interested in baptism, we'd love to um, see you take that step, and we'd love to walk with you as you take that step. Uh, and you can go to the app or website and sign up today, or you can go to guest services, but we would love for you to sign up today, okay? Uh, starting point, if you want to meet the staff and hear about our church, and you're new to Crossroads, and you just want to see you know, who we are, and if you can get connected in some way, uh, that's a lunch t- uh, next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service. And you can sign up for that as well to make sure we have enough food for you. You can do that on the app or website or at guest services. Uh, join the team if you've, um, if you've already gone to Starting Point. You want to explore membership. Uh, you can, that's a lunch as well next Sunday after church. You can sign up for that on the app or website or stop by guest services. We would love for you to do that so we can have enough food for you. And back to school bashes in the evening. Just bring your students here. Uh, They're going to have laser tag and all kinds of really cool things going on that evening as they start uh, the new school year. Uh, Also, um, our elder uh, ballots are on the uh, guest services. This is your last Sunday to be able to vote for our new elders. Uh, There are four different guys here. Uh, You're not voting for your top one or top two or top three. You're voting for all four, yes or no. Okay, and you can do that by picking up this sheet of paper at guest services and dropping it in the boxes as you go out. Or you can, go on, uh, you can go back to your email from yesterday. If you receive our church-wide emails, you can go back there and there's a link to an online ballot as well. But this is the last Sunday to do that. And one last announcement from our deaf ministry uh, that they're going to come and share a quick announcement with you about uh, something going on here in just a couple weeks. Hello. Hello, everyone. My name is Becky, Becky Stroud, and this is my sign name. I'm one of the interpreters here, and I'm the lead interpreter. And this is Cam, my good friend. Um, We have a deaf ministry, and on September 24th, we're having an awareness day. So I wanted to let you guys know, and I want you all to know and that you're all invited to come to that. And that will be after the end of the 11 o'clock service. We'll have tables set up in the prayer room. So you'll be able to go in, look around, see what different things are there, what the deaf ministry looks like, deaf assistant technology, deaf service. If you have any questions or you want to know more about anything, we'll like have a deaf person there who knows, or if there's a deaf person and you don't know what to do, you can come and talk to one of us. So just briefly, we have one song that we sang last week. The chorus just says, yes, Lord. Do you know, have you heard that? Yes, no. Okay, some of you. You're all a little bit asleep. You need some coffee. Okay. I'm going to teach you that chorus. It's just two signs, really simple. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, 
Lord. That's it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. That's it. Think you can remember it? So last week on Sunday, they sang, yes, Lord. And when we do it again, I'll be looking around to see who remembers it next week. And then I'll come back up here next week, show it to you guys again. And then Sunday, September 24th, we'll do it again and we'll be signing it all together. Got it? Okay, thank you, bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, oh, and uh, there's one other sign in that song too. Amen, at the end. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. All right. So, uh, again, uh, Deaf Awareness Sundays and two Sundays from now, uh, June 24th, and you'll be able to hear about our deaf ministry, as Becky said, and uh, be involved in the service with us as well. So, I hope that you'll be there for that. All right. This morning, um, we're beginning a brand new series called Happily Ever After. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation together. Um, Revelation is a book that's written by John. And um, John was one of the apostles of, of Jesus and probably the last surviving apostle when this was written. Uh, the name Revelation means to um, unveil, like the unveiling or the revealing revelation. Understand? Revelations, God's desire is not to conceal but to reveal, to make clear what's happening now and what will happen in the future. And John uh, is allowed to, um, by vision from God, go into the future and see what would happen in the future, and it was revealed to him or unveiled to him, and he wrote the book of Revelation for us to see it. Um, so we're going to be looking at that to, together. Uh, many of you are maybe afraid of studying the book of Revelation. Uh, maybe you're thinking like it's too confusing, or I don't, I don't understand it. It can be hard to understand for sure. Or maybe you're just scared to, to study the book of Revelation. And I find that so interesting that one of the books of the Bible that we avoid the most is the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, we learn that the enemy is a loser and that the enemy loses in the end. And that's the book that the enemy tr tries to keep us from understanding the most. Isn't that interesting? So we're going to look at it together. The other thing that's really cool about Revelation is that uh, he promises, God promises a blessing to those who read it. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take, to, take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So why would God offer a blessing or promise a blessing to us if we aren't supposed to understand the book of Revelation? So last summer, summer 2022, uh, you may remember this, but I did the entire book of Revelation in one Sunday in 30 minutes. Do you remember that? We flew through it. Uh, it was crazy. And at the end, I shut my Bible like this and I said, and they all lived happily ever after. And you all applauded and I thought, "Ooh, all right, that's a sermon series that I need to go back to. That's a great title. So we're calling this uh, Happily Ever After. And I'm going to walk through the book of Revelation. I certainly can't go through it, every word, every number, every symbol, all of that. Um, uh, but we're going to kind of walk through it thematically and get to as much of it as we, as we can. Um, so today we're going to look at three chapters, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Um, 
And again, we're calling it Happily Ever After. We all love books and movies that, and stories that end with that phrase. And they all lived happily ever after. We love when there's a, uh, you know, usually there's a wicked person in the storyline that comes to their end. There's a hero and a heroine, and they get to come together and live forever, and it's a perfect life forever and ever, happily ever after. Well, that's what we want to see in fairy tales. Uh, for example, Snow White is an example of that. You remember the, the wicked stepmother arrives at Snow White's wedding, and uh, she is forced to put on red-hot iron shoes and dance until she dies. And after she does that, now Snow White and her husband are joined together, and they live happily ever after, and that's how the fairy tale ends, and that's how we like them to end. Well, the book of Revelation has a fairy tale-type feel. There's a dragon, there's a hero, there's a damsel in distress, there's a happily ever after. And so this morning, the message title was called The Damsel in Distress. And as I thought about that this week, I thought, you know, that phrase, the damsel in distress, could potentially have negative connotation because the damsel in distress in movies and stories is of this weak woman who can only uh, sit there and, and wait and hope for the hero to come and rescue her until about the time of the movie Milan. Did you ever watch that? When Milan came through Disney, they, they shifted to these very powerful, strong, and independent women. Very cool. But I want you to know that calling this the damsel in distress is not a, a gender-specific title in the connotation of the series that we're in, because we are all the damsel of distress. We are all in need. We are all in need of rescue. Um, just so you know, spoiler alert, the church is the damsel in distress. And Jesus is the hero who comes to rescue us. Are you good with that? Okay. All right. So the day is coming. The day is coming. The hero will come. We're going we're gonna to memorize this verse together, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. Through this series, I haven't memorized it yet, but we're going to work together on it. And here it is, Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Aren't those beautiful words? We have a prayer for this series as well, and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me if you would. It's a pretty powerful, maybe even a little scary prayer for you, but here it is. Lord, come now and make all things right. Lord, come now and make all things right. I hope that you'll pray that with us. Follow along with us in the YouVersion app. You can find that on our, our church app uh, or in the email that you got yesterday. But read the book of Revelation with us as we do this together. Um, you, can, you can follow along with it. I think there's about 50 of you reading it now. So join in and read with us as well. All right, so the damsel in distress, the damsel in distress, usually is uh, locked in a tower somewhere waiting for the hero to come and rescue, right? I, and I wondered this morning as we approached this, this, uh, these three chapters, what is the tower that you're locked in? Maybe it's a tower of depression, a tower of 
anger, a, a tower of physical illness. Maybe it's an addiction or a broken marriage or you're having difficulty with your children or you're locked in some horrible job situation or a really heartbreaking loss and it's painful and you feel trapped there or maybe even forgotten and you just want things to be made right. Anybody been there? Anybody there? Okay. Revelation reminds us that rescue is coming, so hold fast. Hold fast. And we're told three different truths in these three chapters, mostly in chapter one, that we should hold on to when we're locked away in distress. Number one is this, and this is good news. I have a king. I have a king. I have a king. The, the hero, the king, is, is Jesus. The damsel in distress must always remember that we have a king. And the king tells us about himself in chapter 1. I love it. Tells us the kind of king he is. Tells us why we can be hopeful in this king. Look at what it says about, about Jesus as he talks about himself here. Number one, he reminds us that he is a gracious, gift-giving king. Verse 4 of chapter 1 says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. So first we see this gracious, gift-giving king gives us grace. Grace. Grace is there when we mess everything up, and he just gives it to us. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it, and yet he freely gives it to us. No matter what you've done or where you've been or what you did last night, he offers grace to you as a gift from him. Grace. He's a gracious, gift-giving king. Second, he gives us peace. Any anxious people out there? Grace and peace, it says, is from the one who is and who was and who is to come. I don't know about you, but, but I need peace, and I need supernatural peace. I don't, I don't need the, 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 the human uh, offered peace of this world is not enough to help me with my worries and my anxieties. I need supernatural peace that only comes from Jesus, and he offers it to us right here as an incredible gift. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He speaks here of seven spirits, probably not seven different spirits, but seven uh, is, a, uh, is a biblical number. It's a perfect number. It's a number that uh, signifies completeness. So as a perfect and complete spirit, the Holy Spirit is given to us. What an incredible gift. When we've been given the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and empowers us and guides us and strengthens us so that we can survive the difficult times in the tower. So we have a gracious, gift-giving king. Jesus reminds us of that when we're in the tower. Also, he reminds us of victory. He reminds us that he's a victorious ruler, victorious ruler. So it says in verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Reminded here that he is a victorious ruler. That's the king. That's our king. It says that he's a faithful witness. It says, who is, a, who is this faithful witness? Who is the faithful witness? Talking about Jesus. And the word there, faithful witness, actually means martyr. And it doesn't always mean death. It could, it could mean that. But it means someone who is faithfully proclaiming the truth in the face of difficulty and persecution. 
And Jesus was that. Jesus was that. He was faithful to the mission that he was given, and he persevered through that mission. And because he persevered, we too can persevere. So there's victory. He's a faithful witness. He's a conquering king, it says. He says that he was the firstborn from the dead. Do you know what that means, the firstborn from the dead? It means that he conquered death. He conquered death. He was dead, but he is no longer dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, and he conquered death. Incredible, incredible. And firstborn also implies that there are others. There are others. He was the first, and there are others. Those who are in Christ Jesus have been raised with him. Those who are in Christ Jesus have been raised to new life. That's a picture of baptism, uh, that, the, that we are buried with Christ, the old person is dead, and we are raised to life, a new person, raised with him, born again, the third, fourth, fifth, born of the dead. He's the king of kings. He's the king of kings. It says he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. That's a pretty big deal to say in this day, Right? Uh, during the day of the Roman Empire. Even to this day, we speak of the Roman Empire like it was the greatest and even most supreme kingdom to ever exist. And it was an incredible kingdom. And we think nothing could top that right. Well, yes, there is something that tops that, and it's the kingdom of God. There's greater authority. There's a greater king. There's a greater kingdom. It says he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And what's so cool about this king is that he shows us that the way to rule is not through destruction, but this king of kings offers an open relationship, an open invitation for you to know him. He's an all-controlling king. It says in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Almighty, Alpha, Omega, beginning and end, who is, who was, who is to come. All of these things mean one thing, and that's that God is in control of all things. We aren't in control of anything. And in the tower, we might think that God's plan moved on without us. We might even feel forgotten, that the king has forgotten us completely. But we can know, we can know what happens to us might not feel good, and it might not be good in our eyes, but he works for the good, all things in our lives. And for his glory, all things in our lives. So hold fast to the truth here that you have a king. If you're in the tower of distress, the damsel in distress, you have a king, and he is a king like no other king. Hold fast to that truth. Second, hold fast to the truth that I am part of his royal kingdom, it says. I'm part of his royal kingdom. So Revelation 1 verse 5 says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. So when you're in the tower, remember that you are part of the royal kingdom. The royal kingdom. If you ever follow the royal family, any of you big fans of the royal family, you follow them, you watch all the weddings and such, yes, you realize that wherever the royal family goes, the kingdom goes, right? Wherever the royal family goes, the kingdom goes. They're not just a 
part of the kingdom, they are the kingdom. An attack on the royal family is an attack on the kingdom itself. So these verses remind us that we are a part of the kingdom of God by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're not just citizens of that kingdom. You are part of the royal family in that kingdom. And we take that kingdom with us wherever we go. Jesus loves us, it says here. He loves us, and by his love, he has brought us into his family. I'm telling you right now, if Jesus does nothing for you from this day forward, if your life takes a southbound train starting this afternoon and things get worse and worse and worse and worse, I'm telling you right now that Jesus has already done enough for you to worship him with your life forever and ever and ever. Because of his blood, because of his death, because of his forgiveness, because of his resurrection. And so we take this kingdom with us. We serve. It says that, his, that we're set free by this blood. That's worth worshiping. That his blood crafts us into the family. And now we are a kingdom and priests to serve him forever. So we have that responsibility now of taking that kingdom wherever we go. We are royal ambassadors. We are a royal priesthood. We are the adopted children of God. And so let me tell you as clearly as I can right now, do not sit on your butt in the tower. Proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that we have a Savior who loves your friends, your family, and the world you live in, and he will set them free too. Hold fast to this truth, that I have a king, and I'm a part of his royal family. And then third, that the king is coming to rescue me and make all things right. The king is coming to rescue me and make all things right. That truth that Jesus is coming back is found throughout the Bible. 500 verses, one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament. And it gives us so much hope that we have a truthful, loving Savior who is coming back again. It says in verse 7 of chapter 1, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him so shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We need to be watching the skies. We need to be ready. Accept Him as your Savior and live for Him fully and watch the skies because He's coming back. He's coming in the clouds, it said. And I'm telling you, man, I sat there this morning and I looked up at those clouds and I said, Lord, please come now. Split the clouds right now, and my Savior, step forward right now. Please come and make all things right. Please, Lord. It says here that every eye will see him, even those who, who pierced him on the cross, and all people on earth will mourn because of him. And I think some will mourn because it's too late. It's too late. It's true, and you didn't believe it, and now he's here. I think others like me and maybe like you will mourn because we're just so overwhelmed that he's here. He's here. And the battle is over. And he's rescuing me. And he's going to make it all right. Everything that is wrong and broken right now will be made right. But until then, until then, even if it feels like you're hanging out in this tower and it's just taken way too long, I want you to hear what God says to the seven churches that truly speaks to us in our tower today. 
I'm going to give them to you pretty quick because I only have like three minutes, okay? To Ephesus, to the church of Ephesus, he says, stay committed to your first love. Stay committed to your first love. Chapter 2, verse 4 it says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So it talks here about our first love, not chronologically, but the most important love of our life, the love of our life, Jesus Christ. Look at your life, it's saying here today. Uh, you're, you're commanded to, to or look at your commitment to your first love. What does it look like now? Has it, has it shifted away from your first love? Are you more in love with other things than you are with, with the first love of your life? Has your love faded? Has your relationship with Jesus gone by the wayside? It says here, consider how far you've fallen. Turn back today. Make it right and do what you did at first. Stay committed to your first love. The, the second church, Smyrna, says don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Verse 10 of chapter 2 says, Don't, Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you, give you life as your victor's crown. So in the church of Smyrna, it was about to be hit with a lot of suffering. And you may be suffering today. Uh, we're reminded here to not be afraid. To not be afraid. To be faithful even in the face of suffering, to be faithful, even to the point of death. And if we are, it reminds us that we will receive the victor's crown of life. To the third church, Pergamum, he says, hold to the word of the king. Hold to the word of the king. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you have also those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So we need to realize that the word of the king is good. The word of the king is good. It's good. Others were teaching in this church, apparently, and they were way off target, compromising the Nicolaitans, for example, it's believed that they were teaching that you could be a Christian and still make sacrifices to the Roman emperor. Like you could just pretend that you really didn't mean it. And this is a reminder to us to not compromise on core things, to hold fast to the word of the king because his word is good. Thyatira reminds us to remain faithful. Chapter 2, verse 20. Nevertheless, he says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Uh, so we are, we are pulled in this world in so many different directions, even by those who claim to be prophets and preachers. And the challenge here is to remain faithful to the king, even if you have to go against what everyone else is doing. Even if you have to go, go against what everyone else is saying is okay. Be different. Be different. College students, as you started school back at college, be different than everybody else on campus. High school students, middle school students, as you've started back to school, be different than everybody else at your school. All of us, be different. Be different. Don't be like everyone else. Stand out, it says. Be faithful to the king. 
I'm telling you, we can't sacrifice everything on the altar of relevance. And we can't sacrifice everything on the altar of tradition either. Remain faithful. To the church of Sardis, he says, stay alert. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have finished or what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. So here he's saying, Wake up, stay alert. What a hard thing to hear that you have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. On the outside, it looks like everything's good. I'm living for Jesus. I'm vibrant. I'm alive. I I say the right things. I wear the right clothes. I comb my hair in the right direction. But inside, you know you're dead. You're dead. He says, wake up and stay alert and get right with the Lord because we don't know what time he will come back. To the church of Philadelphia, he says, don't give up. Endure to the end. Chapter 3, verse 8 says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So our strength grows weak as we wait. As we're in the tower, we grow tired. He says, don't give up. Endure to the end. And you may have walked in here this morning feeling like giving up. You may be tired. You may be discouraged. You may be hurting, and you thought, I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to walk away. The challenge here is to endure to the end. Although you may have little strength, keep his word and don't deny his name. Don't give up. He's coming soon. And to the last church of Laodicea, it says, be aware of temporary distractions. Verse 17 says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Apparently, this church in Laodicea was a very wealthy church. And they got wrapped up in the distraction of money. And by not needing anything, they forgot that they needed a rescuer too. And I'm telling you, I think this is one of the greatest challenges of living in the United States of America is that we are pretty wealthy people. We are pretty wealthy people. Don't let your money and don't let your things fog the truth that you need a rescuing Savior. So as the worship team comes, these are... The words of Revelation 1 through 3, remember that you have a king, you are a part of his royal kingdom, and he is coming back to rescue you and make all things right. And until then, until then, listen to the, to the words that he gives to these seven churches that are spoken to us today as well. So in closing, a couple questions. Number one, what tower of distress do you feel locked in? What tower of distress do you feel locked in? And number two, know that you have a king. Know that you are a part of his kingdom, royal kingdom. And one day, he will rescue you and make all things right. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your incredible love for us, Lord that we can know that although we may find ourselves today in distress, that we are not in despair because we have a king. 
We are part of his royal family. And he's coming back to rescue us and make things right. Lord, and we can't wait for that day. Lord, would it even be today? Would you split the skies open today and come through the clouds and rescue us today? And fix all the brokenness of this world. Lord, until then, that we would remain faithful to you, committed to our first love, not easily distracted, enduring until the very end, alert and awake. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you've freed us from sin, that you've crafted us into your family by your very blood. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.